You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So I would love for you to actually turn in your actual Bible to uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. We're in this habit at the Mill Sunday School of not putting Scripture on the board to encourage you to bring your own Bible, whether it be electronic or paper. And so uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, I'll give you another minute to turn there. It's in the New Testament. It's with all the other uh, books that start off with a T, like 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians. Yeah, shh. Just kidding. I, I just told you to meet somebody, so you were doing that. I am not mad. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, it's this famous passage about Scripture, which is kind of this bigger topic of this month, which is, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so it's 2 Timothy 3.16, says this. Um, actually, I'm going to start in, let's get back to 14. Um, the 16 is the real meat of this uh, passage, but let's go to 14 to get a little context. And it's Paul writing to Timothy, and, and Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know uh, those from whom you have learned it. And from infancy, how you have known the holy scriptures. That's pretty Pretty awesome. I know some of you in here would say that that's true about you, and I I would say that's true about some of you in here, that you've been a Christian your whole life. You've been memorizing psalms and and, and passages in Scripture. You've you've known Scripture from infancy. How awesome is that? Then it goes on to say, um, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which you are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then this 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the, the, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you and, and praise you for, for scripture and your word to us. And God, I pray that this morning, as we talk about the topic we're about to introduce, would, would affirm the authority of scripture in our lives. God, would affirm the sacredness of scripture for us and the inspiration of scripture for us. God, open us up, open our hearts and minds to receive you and how you speak to us. God, we worship you. We thank you for the text that we call Scripture. We love it, Lord. Would you allow us to, to read it more and give us, um, just give us insight and just let us understand the beauty of it. God, we worship you and praise you. And everybody screamed, amen. So I, I got to do a huge uh, alert. Um, and this is uh, a nerd alert. For this month, this whole month is probably going to be the most nerdiest Mill Sunday School month ever. And, and, and by the way, Mill Sunday School is already usually very nerdy. And, and so this is very nerdy stuff. Um, you have full permission to, to get up and go get extra coffee uh, this morning and all this month if, if you keep coming back and can handle the nerdiness of this month. Um, but it's going to involve history, lots of new names and information that you're probably not aware of. It's going to involve um, uh, kind of obscure books and knowledge. And what we're talking about this month, if you haven't been uh, cued in yet, is the Apocrypha. How many of you have heard of the Apocrypha before? Lots of you have heard of it. And, and many of you are like, yeah, what is that? I keep hearing about it. What in the world is it? Um, and is it mysterious? Are they books that were banned from the Bible? Are they lost books of the Bible? Um, are, are they the books that are in the Catholic Bible, but not in the Protestant Bible? Yes, that's true. Um, but what is it? And, and then so I saw, somebody saw this picture and was like, man, is the Apocrypha satanic? It's got a pentagram on it. And I was like, what? Count the points. Is there five points? That's the Star of David, you silly goose. Um, but anyways, it just added to the mystery of the Apocrypha. And, and I have been telling people that I meet, you know, people ask me, hey, Joe, you, what, do you, what are we going to talk about Sunday school in July? And I'll say, oh, the Apocrypha. And they'll kind of look at me like, the what? <laughs> Somebody said, a pocket of what? And um, and and some people like are kind of concerned, like uh, the apocrypha. Y'all don't believe in those books, do you? It's like no, we, we don't. We, we don't hold them as scripture. So we will talk about that. Um, so, some one of my seminary friends uh, who I called up this month, he knows a lot about um, the apocrypha, pseudepigrapha, and and writings that were banned from the Bible, or whatever. So we had this long phone call, um, but it started off with him saying. 
dude, really? You're going to talk about the Apocrypha for a whole month? Are you trying to get yourself fired up there at New Life? Um, and I said, no. And he was just kidding. And, and I think um, the, the Apocrypha is this mysterious book. Lots of you raised your hands when I said, who has heard of it? Some of you didn't. So we'll, we'll start off very slow this, this, this morning and talk about the Apocrypha, what it is. Um, but my first experience that I can remember with the Apocrypha was uh, when I was in high school. And I have a picture of me in high school. Look at me. Look how cool I look. My, my wife said, ooh, I would have liked you then. And I was like, sweet. But then I was like, what, what does that really mean? Do you not like me now? Um, anyways, uh, um, I, I think I'm pretty handsome up there. But looking back at myself, I t- I t- just bear with me for a second. This is actually kind of an embarrassing story. Um, but in high school, I was very shy around girls. And I think uh, looking back, I didn't know this at the time because I was kind of oblivious to girls and, and dating and everything. Um, but looking back, I was like, man, I think a lot of girls really liked me in high school, but, but I just didn't, didn't understand that and didn't know what to do and was very shy. And this girl, this Catholic girl that I knew, and she actually went to our Protestant, uh, our youth group. Um, and so we, we were in similar circles uh, with this girl. But on Sunday, she wasn't at our church. She was at a Catholic church, which was fine. I mean, I grew up Catholic, and so it didn't, I was just like, yeah, she's Catholic, but she likes that kind of older service, but then she comes to our youth group. That's cool, whatever. Um, She gave me a card one day, and it was after I graduated the 10th grade, and it was a congratulations card for graduating the 10th grade, <laughs> which I didn't know you were supposed to give cards when you graduated the 10th grade. But, and she was also graduating the 10th grade. So it was just a weird, she like gave me a card and I was like, oh, thank you. And I was like, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get you anything. Um, but, but it was really weird. But I, I do remember the card got thrown out, so I don't have it. Um, that's part of the story, actually. But I do remember thumbs up and on, the, on this card, maybe something like this, just cheesiness. And it was a Christian card, so it had a cross on it. So in my mind, I picture something just like this, just the, the cheesiness, just, just cheesing up the whole card. And on the card were uh, scriptures that, that are probably, you know, we've all heard them um, if you've been around church long enough. And so after you hear them, they get cheesy just because you hear them so much. Like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. if you know it, uh, say it along with me, for I know the plans... I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So it's, it's just like a card. She gave me a card. And so I'm looking back. I had no clue at the time. It's like, this girl probably liked me. I mean, who gives a card for congratulations graduating in the 10th grade? It's weird. Um, anyway, she gave me the card and it had scriptures, plural on it. This Catholic girl gave me the card. So just recapping the story. And it had some scriptures on it. And I didn't know this at the time, but one of the scriptures was a quote from the Book of Wisdom, which is a book that is a part of the Apocrypha, which the Catholics do have a part of their deuterocanonical books, but Protestants do not have in their Bibles. Like if you look for the Book of Wisdom, you probably wouldn't find it in your Bible unless you have a Catholic Bible. So anyways, I got this card, said thank you. I didn't even realize, oh, Book of Wisdom. I had been a Christian probably six or seven months at that time, maybe a little less actually. So I had no idea. I was like, oh yeah, Book of Wisdom, probably in the Old Testament. Uh, This is weird that I'm getting a card for graduating 10th grade. But anyways, um, so I put the card away and then another girl, so that girl, the Catholic girl goes away. Another girl comes up. I think this was at lunchtime or something. And was like, ooh, who were you talking to? I was like, "Uh, so-and-so, she gave me a card. And was like, ooh, she gave you a card. Do you like her? Ooh. And I was like, no. Um, but, but so she's like, can I see the card? He's like, she gave you a 10th grade card. Wow. Cool. And she looked at the card. It's like, oh, Jeremiah 29, 11. And then she saw wisdom, the book of wisdom being quoted. And I think like it could have been, I don't remember because the card is, is about to get thrown out, but it was wisdom three, one. It could have been something like this that says the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God. Like just a very like, oh, uplifting. Yeah, sure. Great. Whatever. It wasn't anything weird. Um, but she took the card and saw that wisdom was quoted and she threw it down and said, you, you shouldn't touch this. This, this could be evil. You could get, and she was dead serious. Like you get demonic spirits from this. That book is satanic. It's, the Catholics believe it, but it's the Apocrypha, so it's satanic. But throw it out. You should throw it out. And I was like, what? And she was like, I'll, I'll throw it out for you. Let me throw it out. And I was like, what? And so she took the card and went over to the trash can and threw it out. Like that's where that belongs. It's a, in the trash because it's satanic because it quoted the Apocrypha. And I was like, what a weird day. I mean, <laughs> It was just, I mean, high school is weird enough, and then dating in high school is really weird, and then that situation is just like, that's probably why I didn't date very much in high school, because of that kind of stuff. Um, 
But anyways, leaving all that aside, the Apocrypha, is it this satanic book? Is it mysterious? And like, um, people confuse it with apocalyptic. It's very uh, uh, Apocrypha, apocalyptic. They think, oh, those are the same thing. So it's about the end of the world and, and Satan and the angels and, and Jesus and fire and stuff. And it's like, so what should we do with the Apocrypha? Should we throw out the Apocrypha, run and throw it into the garbage? Should Should we burn the Apocrypha? Um, Should we have a book-burning party and burn the Apocrypha? And um, I I had this sermon illustration that a couple weeks ago was just brilliant. I mean, you're going to say, oh, that's a brilliant sermon illustration. But you're also going to say, thank you so much for not doing it. But I was going to bring a grill in here and uh, open up the grill. And then I was going to put these books on the grill. Uh, This is uh, some apocryphal books, the the Nag Hammani Library, Lost Books of the Bible, Forgotten Books of Eden, uh, The Septuagint with the Apocrypha. If you've never heard of these books, that's fine. Uh, The Dead Sea Scrolls, which has some books that were uh, uh, potentially uh, part of the Jewish writings, maybe not scripture, but part of the Jewish writings. So these books, in a a wide sense, could be considered apocryphal books. So I was going to set these books on the grill and and then I was going to take some lighter fluid that I had dumped out and filled with water. And then I was going to squirt them down with water and make you think that I was going to burn these books in here. And then I just imagine like panda and just imagine your faces looking at me like with fear and horror because of the events of last week. And like I imagine police officers coming, running down the aisle with this gun. Put out the match. I was like, I'm just a sermon. I'm kidding. It's water. No, it's not. Get on the ground. <laughs> he's the arsonist we found him um so anyways i'm not gonna do that sermon illustration ever probably uh so don't worry you have no fear but there is something about the the, the seriousness of the fires of this last week and seeing that and and knowing that that fire does destroy things uh, forever. Like the the houses, they could be rebuilt, but there's some things that will never be rebuilt. I was talking to a guy last night, if you know him, Brian Hare lost his home in the fire. He was over our house and he's like, I was like, so did you get everything out? He's like, oh yeah, I got everything out that I wanted to. Is there anything you forgot that you, that you wish you had? And he said, oh, my grandfather's coin collection. I was like, oh man, that, that stinks. And I was like, well, it'll probably still be there. And he said, no, they, they told me that it, the fire gets so hot that those coins have probably like melted together in the heat of the fire and, and they're no more. Like they are gone forever. And I was like, gosh, that, that is that's the destruction of fire. And so just bringing the idea back, should we throw the Apocrypha into the fire. And I think along with uneducation, along with ignorance, is sometimes this polarized fear of something unknown. It's like, if you don't really know what the Apocrypha is, you're like, yeah, we should, we should burn it. We should throw it in the trash. It's evil. Uh, it's horrible. It's, it's satanic, maybe even. Or we should just get rid of it. And I think those kinds of ideas are the things that happened. You know, we could look at this. We could point and, and think about, this is a picture of the Nazis. Actually, this is uh, May 10th, 1933, at Berlin's Opera Square. You could see some of them doing the Hell Hitler sign. And they're burning books. Any book that was considered un-German uh, was being burnt in this fire because of fear and irrational uneducation. And just like, oh, it's written by a Jew. Let's burn it. Oh, it's written by a black person. Let's burn it. It must be un-German. Um, and so they just burnt books in fear and in ignorance. And so it's, it's, with, it's not with that. It's with the opposite of that, that we kind of take a step forward and say, okay, we're going to look at the Apocrypha all this month. We're going to uh, open up and, and maybe read from it a little bit. We're going to study the history of it. We're going to study where it came from. We're going to study what it is. I still haven't explained really what it is. So if you're still like, what are we talking about? Uh, we'll get there. Um, it's basically the books or these banned books of the Bible that for some reason or another, and there's lots of reasons, didn't make the canon of Scripture, but are potentially in the Catholic canon or the Eastern Orthodox canon or the Egyptian Coptic canon. Um, so these other churches have these weird little books, and it's, it's very few exception. And so these are the apocryphal books of the Bible, which is our bigger topic this, this month. And I, and I, I will, I will tell you why we're doing this. Cause I did get the question, Hey Joe, you know, you, why don't you just talk about the books that are in the Bible? You know, why? And it was a very nice way of saying it, but it's kind of like, why are you wasting our time with books that aren't in the Bible? And so I will answer that question. And I, I do think that this is valuable. And, and I, I think you're here because Sunday school is this place where we can talk about this. I mean, it's not like 
well, you know, at a desperation conference, you, you talk, start talking about the Apocrypha. No, it's like, this, this would be the most random thing. Uh, this, this kids are here to learn about, the, you know, the, they're here to, well, I don't know what they're here for. This, if, anyways, bad example. So, if you're new to the Middle Sunday School, welcome. I already gave you the nerd a warning that this is going to be very nerdy. I already told you that you are feel free to get up and get more coffee and bagels because you might need it for the nerdiness of this message. If you are new, there's these little cards on your table. If you would like to fill one out, you can't. You don't have to. Um, but in exchange for the card, we'll give you a CD. We'll, I'll send you a welcome email. Um, this was really cool this week because really, um, any, anytime someone fills out a card like this, we keep their information and we put it on file. And we, we, we don't abuse it. We don't send you mass emails every hour. Um, or anything like that. But we did, uh, there was just kind of a cool story. Uh, the, the, the houses that were evacuated on Wednesday, we, New Life, Brady Boyd was actually able to send every, because we have the addresses, so we were able to put in this uh, search equation for everyone in the evacuated areas, and Brady was able to email them, are you okay? We'd love to hear your story. Do you need any help? And so we got tons of responses back, and I got to read some of those. And it was just, it was just kind of cool that like, oh, that's why we do this. And, and for, for random things like this or for sending emails. And so anyways, uh, if you've ever wondered, like, why, do, why when you visit a church do you have to fill out this long thing? Like, I don't even have to fill out that much if I go to buy a car. Um, anyways, I kid. Anyways, let's talk about the lost books of the Bible, a.k.a. Uh, this is just kind of, and I put a question mark because this may or may not be the, the best way to word this, but uh, we could call it the banned books of the Bible, which is kind of like this, um, a very mysterious name. Um, I was just going to throw in this, this rabbit trail of the idea that, you know, if you ban a book, it's like that's when the book becomes really popular because people are like, oh, I have to read it. Like I think about this book, The Da Vinci Code that came out a couple years ago. It's a pretty average book. It's good. It's an average read. But because so many Christians were like, ah, don't read it. What happens? Becomes New York Times bestseller. And they're like, oh, I guess we have to go read it now. So like the best thing we can do as a church is usually just to ignore things, just in case you're wondering what the best thing to do is. Um, so anyways, the banned books of the Bible, the lost books of the Bible, it does create this kind of mystery like, ooh, yeah, what is that? I, I have heard about the Apocrypha. I want, I've always wanted to read it. I've always wanted to study it. And I could tell by the crowd and you're here. Maybe some of you, because you're like, oh, he's going to talk about the Apocrypha. I want to make sure I'm there because I've always been curious about it. So I want to give you back a dis- discussion question. It, some of you might be, do really good at this discussion question. Some of you might not have any clue, uh, and so that is totally fine. But so I want you to get into groups uh, at a table, or just just if you're by yourself, just jump into a group. They will let you join, I promise. And if they don't, come up here, be a part of my group. Um, but I want you just to list. And so it's a, it's a pretty easy discussion question. Just list, like someone to, someone be the scribe and list as many books as you can. So here, list as many books as possible that could fall under the category of very broadly lost books of the Bible. If you could name any of the books of the Apocrypha, if you could name any of those books, do that. And before you start cheating, uh, don't cheat. Uh, only use the knowledge in your group. No outside sources such as the interwebs or phoning a friend. So just talk, just write some stuff down. If your list is zero, that is fine. But the people with the biggest list will get the title nerds of the day. So that's their award. Ready, cassette, go. All right, how many of you, and I will be impressed if you got three or more. How many of you got three or more? Sweet, look at all, it's all the people in the front. That's that's, that's awesome. You should sit in the front. Oh, and some people in the back. Hi, Chris. Um, hello, Earl. Um, how many of you got five or more? Wow, sweet. Okay. I don't know what to jump to. Ten or more? That's a, that's a whole lot. Really? Two, seven-ish? Seven or more? You got nine? Ten? You got 13? Anybody get more than 13? So they are the nerds of the day. Yes! Tim, Aaron, Chris, and Rose are the nerds of the day, which is a good title, by the way. What, so yell out what you got. Did you write them down? Yell, yell out your list of 13. Okay, it's hard to hear. It's like, what? A Book of Mormon? Maybe, yeah. In a, in a broader sense, why not? Yeah, sure. Book of Mormon, let's throw it in there. Let's put it on your list. Everyone gets one more. Um... Anyway, I'll, I'll go over a, a short list with you, but let's, let's think a little bit bigger here and, and, and really ask the question, um, which, which some of you may be asking me, like, hey, 
the Bible, it's a pretty big book. You, you could certainly spend your whole life studying it. Um, why, well, maybe this would be a rude way to ask it, but why waste our time in the Middle Sunday School studying the Apocrypha? Those are books that are not in Scripture. So why waste our time um, doing that? Which is, which is actually a question someone asked me, but they asked it in a very nice way. Like, really? Why are you studying the Apocrypha? Why, you know, why don't you concentrate on the books that we do know are Scripture? And I did have to rethink. Like, yeah, should we? Why are we? It, it is a full month of this topic because that's the way Sunday school has always worked out since 2004 when we started uh, years back of doing topics by month, just the way we do it. Um, and so spend a whole month on the Apocrypha. And, and my answer is kind of like, by studying what is not, we can learn about what is. And that's a quote that I think I should get credit for. Um, but you should write that down and then put Joe Kirkendall and then like twit about it or tweet. What do you say? Twit? <laughs> Tweets? I don't know. The, the, the Facebook, whatever you kids are doing these days. Anyways, so I'll say it again. Um, and I, uh, it's to, by studying what is not, we can learn about what is. By studying what is not, we can learn about what is. And that's kind of this idea that I was like, okay, that, that's why we're studying the Apocrypha. Because really, we do want to know about Scripture. I'm holding up a, my Bible. This is an NIV Bible. It's a 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament books that we call the canon. We'll talk about that word in a second. That we call this book sacred. We call it uh, inspired. We call it authoritative. We, we can call it the word of God. We can call it holy and inerrant. And so we do believe in these books. Um, but, but then there's this question of, okay, how did we get these books? Did this book fall from the sky? Was it, what, did God give, you know, did somebody sit down and, and start writing and God spoke directly into their ear this book? How did we get this book, and we'll talk about that probably next time about how this book came about. Um, and it's it's a huge book; it's a big book. And um, and so by talking about the books that that didn't make the cut, um, we can learn something about this book and how this book does hold authority. So that's really that's really the bigger point of this month's topic and kind of the big picture where we, we will be going. So it's almost like uh, we're using the Apocrypha to, t- to talk about how we got Scripture so that really this whole month is kind of, in a way, more about um, um, the authority of Scripture than it really will be the Apocrypha. Sure, we'll get into the Apocrypha. We'll, we'll probably look at individual books. We'll read some passages and look at it and the history behind it. But really the bigger point that you hopefully will walk away today and, and, and this month, if you come to the other uh, lectures, is, is the authority of Scripture and how we got it. So just in case you're wondering what this month, what in the world we're doing talking about the Apocrypha, that's what we're doing. So, what in the world is the Apocrypha? Um, the word literally means, uh, in Greek, uh, those things hidden away. Uh, Apocrypha, it's a Greek word that means hidden, uh, things put away, things hidden. It's a Greek word that got changed to Latin, which got changed to English. Um, and, and so it's kind of synonymous now with like uh, doubtful writings. And so Apocrypha, this, this word that's just like, oh, these, these books that are hidden, that didn't make it, um, they're doubtful writings. And there's a big difference between these two words. Do you see what the difference is? Yeah, you got it. There you got it. This is the first one to get it. One is capitalized. One is not capitalized. That's John Wood. He's, he's quick. Um, so I'm sure you saw it before he saw it. You just didn't want to yell out. So the one is capitalized. The other is not capitalized. What's the difference? Well, in English, we capitalize proper names. So Apocrypha Big A is the capitalized name for an actual list of books in the Catholic Bible. Little a, Apocrypha, is just this general term for, I I put just a general list of books for anything that could be a banned book of the Bible. So, for instance, this table got 13 of them, and then we added a few. And so all those books would would generally be under this category of Apocryphal little a. um, And some of them are actually a part of Apocrypha big A, which is this specific list of books in the Catholic Bible. So here is me. As a little boy, I'm the one on the left. Or, excuse me, you're, yeah, left. Uh, why did, I don't even know why. It's me and a little girl. I don't know how you could be confused. Um, I'm kind of struggling up here. Anyways, just give me some, some slack. Anyways, I'm the little boy on the left. Uh, that's my priest. And this was our first communion, me and Susan Whiting. Um, got our picture taken with the priest. How cool. So I grew up Catholic. And one of the things that I was known for around the, the Catholic church that I went to was that I had uh, 
a perfect attendance record at Sunday school, which is just kind of like maybe prophetic in some weird way because now I'm the Sunday school pastor. How cool is that? Um, but I got up to, uh, seven, I think I got up to eight years of perfect attendance. And on my sixth year of perfect attendance, never ever missing a Sunday school, I got this uh, St. Joseph edition, and my name's Joe, so it's pretty cool. St. Joseph's edition of the New American Bible, which is a Catholic Bible. And so if, you've, if any of you have the New American Bible, um, be aware, it's, it's, it's a Catholic Bible. It has seven extra books in it that your Bible, everybody else's Bible, probably does not have in them. And so here's the book. It says when I got it, 1989, for six years of perfect attendance. Check that out. Um, still pretty proud about that. Might, might be a crowning achievement of life. You know, just, just kidding. <laughs> Lighten up. Everyone's just looking at me. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so the books that are extra in this Apocrypha, um, maybe I'll talk just briefly about, there's seven books um, and then some extra writings. We'll get to that in a second. But these books, um, to just to talk very generally, and then we'll talk more about it this month. But these, so this is the big A Apocrypha. This is the actual list in this Catholic Bible that is here. Um, these are all Old Testament books. So sometimes in some Bibles, they're listed in between the Old Testament and the New Testament under a section called Apocrypha. And sometimes, like in this Catholic Bible, they're actually dispersed throughout the Old Testament. Like it goes Ezra, Nehemiah, Tobit, Judith, and then the book of Esther. And you're like, oh, I've never heard of those books before. Well, they're a part of the Apocrypha. They're in Catholic Bibles. Then it goes Esther, 1st Maccabees, 2nd Maccabees, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, etc. So there's seven of these books that are in our that are in this Catholic Bible that are not in the Protestant Bible. So they're all Old Testament. They were all, um, and there's, there's a lots of debate over this, uh, but, but I'll say it and then just know that that's, it might not be true. There's debate uh, on, amongst the scholars, but potentially they were all originally written in Greek, not Hebrew. And so the Old Testament written in Hebrew, these, these books were probably added later uh, in Greek. And uh, for the most part, the, the Jewish people, uh, there, was, there were some groups that held them as sacred. There were some groups that did not hold them as sacred. And then when you get to the early church, there was groups that held them as sacred and some groups that did not hold them as sacred. But they've always kind of been in question. In fact, if you want to impress a Catholic, you would not call these books apocrypha. You would call them deuterocanonical books because apocrypha is kind of a slam. It's like, oh, hidden, doubtful. And Catholics are like, well, they're, they're not that hidden and doubtful for us. And so they like the term deuterocanonical, which means secondary to canon, which for us, it's like, well, there's canon and secondary to canon. Why don't you put the secondary over here and have the canon over here and, and keep the canon what the canon is. And the canon means rule or standard or authority. Um, so anyways, that's, that's just big picture of what the Apocrypha is. Here's a list of those books like I told you I'd put up. Tobit, Judith, First and Second Maccabees, Wisdom, uh, Sirach, and Baruch are the, the names of these seven individual books that are in the Catholic Bible. And they're all, once again, in the Old Testament. Tobit is about this guy. I mean, if you only read one of these apocryphal books, you're like, man, I think I'd like to read the Apocrypha someday. Start with Tobit because this, it's a fascinating story. It's a wild story. Tobit has a son named Tobias. Tobias marries a girl that had been married seven times before that. And on her wedding night with the seven previous dudes, they had all died um, like by some demon killed them. So it was like, so he is, his son is like marrying an axe murderer wife that like kills her husband's on the wedding night. And so Tobias meets an angel named Raphael and Raphael says, here's what you need to do to kill this demon. You need to, or just get rid of the demon. You need to go get a fish and gut it and get the guts like nice and stinking. And then on your wedding night, pull out the guts of this fish and, the, and then the demon will be scared away. Sounds like a perfect honeymoon, doesn't it? <clears throat> Sounds awesome. Um, this is like this is in the Catholic Bible, this story. So and so that works. Of course, it works because of, all demons are afraid of fish guts. Duh. Um, and so the demon flees. Tobias marries the girl, and they live happily ever after. That's the Book of Tobit. 
Sounds pretty fun. They should make a movie of this stuff because you can't make up something like that. It's like it's been made up once and the story's been retold and they need to make a movie. So anyways, uh, that's Tobit. Judith is about uh, a woman named Judith. She is in during when the Jews and the Assyrians are in war. Judith kind of tricks a general of the Assyrians to, to be friends and then she cuts off his head and then the Israelites are able to uh, make war against the Assyrians. Pretty cool book. First and second Maccabee, Maccabees are more historical books about when the Greeks uh, occupied Israel, and there's the Maccabean family uh, revolted against the Greeks, and there's uh, stories about war. First Maccabees includes the story of Hanukkah. If you've ever been like, where does that come from? I've read the Old Testament, and like, where does that come from? Well, it comes from, it's in Maccabees, the story of the Hanukkah and the candle thing. Uh, Wisdom and Sirach are both books uh, very similar to our Proverbs, lots of like proverbial wisdom. In fact, Sirach is uh, the wisdom. It's officially called, what is it? Uh, Proverbs of the son of Sirach. So that's pretty cool. And then Baruch is just like a minor prophet. To me, I, I read it and it was just like, oh, this is a lot like Joel or Amos. It's someone warning Israel of sin and then they don't repent. And, and so God punishes the people because they didn't print, repent because a prophet told them to and they didn't. So that's Baruch. So that's the seven books that are in the Catholic Bible that are not in our Protestant Bible. It's nothing. So you think about that and you're like, that's not satanic. That's not like, oh my gosh, throw it in the trash and burn it on a grill kind of, it's like, oh, they're just books that, that were in question. And so as the, as the church formed and decided what was canon, we took out what was questionable. It's like, oh, there's a question about it. Let's take it out. Whereas maybe the different perspective from the Catholic church is like, well, it might be inspired. It might be sacred. So let's keep it in. But to me, it's like, I think it's better to err on the side of caution. You know, like when the police knock on your door last Saturday night and say, get out of your house. We're being evacuated. What did I do? I evacuated. I got out of there. Don't mess with fire. Anyways, you play it safe. So um, uh, here's, here's the other books. And these are also in the Apocrypha. But these are actually additions to the books that we have as Protestants. So there's additions to the book of Esther. If you could find the book of Esther, tell me, somebody tell me how many chapters are in the book of Esther. Sword drill. Don't just, I'm hearing numbers. Give me the correct number. Did you see it? You're looking at it? Did you look at it? It is 10. But it's a hard book of the Bible to find, by the way. Anyways, if you find it, there's 10 chapters in your Bible. But if you have a Catholic Bible, you would yell out the word 16. Because the Catholic Bible, the apocryphal writings, has additions to the book of Esther. Chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's just more of the continuation of the story. It was probably added much after, long after Esther was written in Hebrew because it was probably written in Greek and it was added to. And there's questions about it. Like, is it inspired? Did the same guy write it? Probably not. It's, there's, it's questionable. It's deuteral, secondary to canon. Let's not put it in is what we usually say as Protestants. Uh, the letter of Jeremiah is just one extra chapter on the end of Baruch, but we don't have Baruch in our Bible anyway, so it's not in there. And then these three, uh, the last three, Prayer of uh, Abednego and Susanna and Bell and the Dragon are all um, chapters that were added on to the book of Daniel. So the first one, Prayer of Ezariah, his name is also Ab- Abednego. Have you heard of, have you heard of Abednego? The dude, yes, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you watch a lot of Veggie Tales, Shadrach and Benny. So Benny has this really long prayer that he prays while in the fiery furnace, and it was probably added much later by a different author in Greek to chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. And there's questions about it, so we have taken it out as Protestants, but it is in there, and it's interesting to read. It's just a prayer saying, you know, God save us from the fiery furnace, and, and you're good, and you're great. And so anyways, uh, the, 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 the book, I, I don't want to say book, but it's just one chapter of Daniel. If you're in the book of Daniel, how many chapters does your Daniel have? Sword drill. Man, we got to get better at sword drills, huh? It's like a long, awkward silence in here. <laughs> Twelve! Somebody yells it. Yes, 
credit up here in the front. So your Bible probably has 12. If you have a Catholic Bible, like this Bible, it actually has a 12, uh, 12, 13, and then 14 are additions. Sometimes 13 is called Susanna because it's about this girl named Susanna. It's a pretty messed up story, but I'll tell it very quickly. Um, this girl is sitting on her tree. These two old guys come up to her and try to blackmail her, and then they take advantage of her, like in the worst way, and then they get caught, um, and then they appear before Daniel, and Daniel is it's almost like this Solomon character. You know when Solomon is, is, is uh, before the court, and these two women are arguing about which baby is hers, and so Solomon says, cut it in half, and one woman's like, yeah, and the other woman's like, no, give it to her. He's like, well, that must be your baby then. So Daniel kind of does a trick on these old guys and, and interviews them. And, and then they say some details that were wrong. It's like, oh, it turns out you're actually lying. You're blackmailing her. And so he punishes the two old dudes. So that's this chapter of Daniel. And then there's another chapter of Daniel. I really like the title of this, Bell and the Dragon. Wouldn't that be cool if I was in our Bible? Um, just for namesake, to calm down. Um, <clears throat> Bell and the Dragon is this chapter 13 of Daniel. Um, I really like the name. Bell is this idol, and there's a dragon, and it's, it's this, this, they're trying to figure out who is, is stealing the food or something. They put ashes on the ground, and then Habakkuk shows up. Turns out when Daniel was in the di- lion's den, Habakkuk brought Daniel some food to keep him alive. Um, and so, but there's questions about these extra chapters being added on. They were probably added on later. They were probably added in Greek or Aramaic. Uh, there's, there's, there's debate over that. And so there's questions about it. There's questions like, uh, you know, why are these books here? Did they come later? They probably did. So let's take them out. If there's question about it, let's take it out. Let's err on the side of caution is how I kind of see the church making those decisions throughout history. So that is the Apocrypha Big A. But here we are in this bigger topic, talking about also the Apocrypha Little A. So is everyone with me? So we just talked about Apocrypha Big A, these books, and the Catholic Bible. And now we're going to talk about pretty much everything else that could be considered just, um, so Apocrypha Little A, anything like uh, Aaron Higgins listed like, oh, Gospel of Mary or Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Thomas, uh, the Apocalypse of Peter. These random books that are like, oh, is that really about Peter or is it not about Peter? Should that be in the Bible? It's just an old book. Did a Christian write it? Did somebody else write it? Is it Gnostic? We'll talk about that later, what that means. Um, And so little a, Apocrypha, here's a very short list, a very short list, because I I was on one website that, um, I think it's pseudepigrapha.com, where you could actually read these texts. And so if you're like, yeah, I'd like to read that someday, you could go to the site and read them for free. And I think on this list, they have about 70 uh, apocryphal books, like including the Apocrypha that's in the Catholic Bibles, as, as well as much others. Um, so anyways, uh, here's a very short list. I've, I've broken it down to the Jewish ones, coming from Jewish author, authors, and then Christian. I put Christian in quotes because some of them uh, seem to be more Gnostic, and we'll talk about what that is. Not Christian at all, but kind of like stealing a name uh, of someone and writing on their behalf. Um, so here's a very, very short list of the Jewish Apocrypha that's, that's not big A Apocrypha in the Catholic Bible. I put the word pseudepigrapha, and that, that, that could be a word or it could be an actual title of, of several Jewish books that would fall under that list. Pseudepigrapha literally means false writing and has this, um, it, it could be just false writing. It could be like false author or pseudonym, like someone wrote it on behalf of someone else. Like, for instance, the book of Enoch was not written by Enoch. No one thinks it was actually written by Enoch. But it starts off with, I, Enoch, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he gives this apocalypse, which is based a lot like the book of Revelation. Um, but Enoch, do you remember who Enoch was? Like Enoch is like Adam's great, great, grandson. But, so it should be like, oh, maybe 10,000 BC if Enoch actually wrote it. But this book just kind of appears in first century BC. And so obviously Enoch didn't write it. Someone took the pseudonym of Enoch on his behalf and wrote this thing. I guess it was kind of a popular thing to do back then. Um, maybe it's still popular now, uh, uh, this whole pseudonym thing. Um, but it gave, I guess, in some way, it gave the book authority. Like, oh, Enoch, he wrote it. No, he didn't. It's just on behalf of him. Anyways, uh, the Assumption of Moses, some of you may have heard of this book before because it is referenced in Jude 1.9, this really obscure uh, bo- Old Testament Jewish book. Um, in Jude 1.9 it says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was d- d- 
disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. He himself did not dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And you're like, huh, that's a cool story. Wonder where it is. And you go to your Old Testament, and I can't find that story. Well, it comes from a book that was called The Assumption of Moses. And that might freak you out because you're like, wait, that's apocryphal, but Jude is referencing it. Um, Does that mean it's sacred? Well, I would say, no, it doesn't mean it's like I could quote the Twilight series to you and it doesn't mean it's sacred or no, it's just it it was what the people of the day were familiar with. And so uh, and maybe this incident actually happened because Jude does talk about it, but it's not like it's condoning the whole book. And this is a much bigger question that we will talk more about uh, on on next Sunday. So if that like frightens you or confuses you and you're like, oh, gosh, I didn't know that. That's weird. Don't panic. Uh, Come next week. We'll talk a lot more about it. And then uh, Book of Jubilees, uh, Life of Adam and Eve, literally about their life after they um, uh, sinned. Uh, Third and fourth Maccabees, a continuation of the story. Uh, This is a very, very short list. Once again, I I saw this website where there was more than 70 listed, and you could read them. And then there's the Christian ones. And I say Christian in quotes because, uh, for instance, the first one listed, the Gospel of Judas. So supposedly, I have it somewhere. It's only a few pages long, so you could like come up and look at it and read it. It's just like a couple little pages. This is the Gospel of Judas. Um, supposedly written by Judas, but you're like, wait, didn't he go out and hang himself? Like, did he have time, really? No, he didn't. And no one, think, no scholar thinks, oh, Judas actually wrote this. No, this is pseudepigrapha. This is someone writing on behalf of Judas, which just calls into question the whole thing. It's like, someone's writing on behalf of Judas, like, that, no, that, no, it's not scripture. It's not sacred. It's not holy. And for goodness sakes, it's from the perspective of Judas. What? Anyways, and so it's probably all made up, probably on behalf of Judas. Someone wrote this down. And so whatever, here it is. You can come read it. There's the Gospel of Mary that became kind of popular a few years ago because supposedly um, uh, Mary wrote it or it's about Mary. And I've read it before. It's also very short, but there's lots of like we, uh, the manuscripts we have of it aren't good. And so it's like every other word is there. And you're like, what is actually being said here? I don't know. And, and so it's, it's probably one of the Gnostic gospels. We'll talk about that uh, later, but it's like the secret wisdom, the secret knowledge that so-called Christians, half Christian, half Greek Gnostic uh, wrote. And it was like, Ooh, guess what I got? Like, what do you got? I got the Gospel of Mary. She wrote this. It's like, no, I saw you writing something the other day. But anyways, here it is. And so it's like, ooh, it's secret. It's cool. And But it got passed on, and so we have manuscripts of it. But no one, I mean, this, no one is thinking that the Gospel, no one anywhere that I know of with any sense is like, ooh, the Gospel of Judas should be in the Bible. Or no, what? No, it's not written by him. It's, it's just, it's, it was, it's very old. It might show us some insight to the Gnostics and what they believe, but no one uh, that I know considers it to be uh, holy or sacred writing amongst Christians. And then there's the Gospel of Thomas. And then there's actually a pretty cool one. It's called the Didache, which is a Greek word for the teaching. And, and, and this is actually pretty cool. This has a very early church, um, basically, manual. And it's like three pages, so you could read it pretty quickly. But it's a manual on, on church, how to do church, like various prayers, um, how to do a baptism. And so it says stuff like this. Like, um, so this is from the Didache. It says, concerning baptism, baptize this way. Having first said these things, so there's like a prayer before it, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in living water, so like running water. But if you have no living water, baptize into other water. And if you, cannot, if you cannot do so in cold water, do so in warm water. It's like, okay, I guess that's practical advice. That's what I would tell another pastor if he was performing a, a baptism service. Uh, but whatever. If you have neither of these, pour out water three times onto the head of the, of the person in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And and uh, uh, put before the baptism, uh, but before the baptism, let the baptizer fast and then be baptized. And so it just goes on. It's like, here's what, here's what you should do. So it's a very early church description of various things of how to do church, which is pretty cool. I mean, I was just, I was at Chris's baptism on, when did you get baptized? Thursday? Friday. Friday? Yeah. So you need to meet Chris, by the way. He's right. He's, he's got in the chair. He's really cool. He got baptized. It was a really cool experience. Ask him a story. All of you at once, after Sunday school, just mob him. And anyways, just kidding. His whole family's here, so you let him go to church. Anyways, um, but it's just like early church. So the Didache, that's, that's where we're at. Let me get back on topic here. The Didache is the teachings, um, the very early 
early church's teachings on just how to do church, which just gives beautiful insight into how the early church did church, which is just really cool. So no one's like, oh, this should be a part of scripture, but like, oh, we could read that and have huge insights into the early church, which is pretty cool. So anyways, the question, why didn't these books make the cut? And, and so what is the cut? Well, the cut is this word I've been throwing around, and maybe you've heard it before, and you're not really sure what it is. It is the word canon, which is not the, the camera, and it is not like the cannonball camera. It's a Latin word that means rule or standard. I think I put that up there. And, and so it is the standard. So we would say that these 66 books are the canon. These are uh, what we live our life by, what we have doctrine by, what we have life and faith by. This is our rule. This is our standard. This is inspired. And, and we would say this is canon. And here's some other words that might be helpful to talk about. I'm going to define them now so we could probably use them throughout this month. Um, but the words non-canonical would mean this book isn't, no one thinks this book should be in the canon. For instance, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Mary. These books are just like, oh, they're Gnostic Gospels. No one anywhere is like, yeah, we should make these a part of our canon. What? No, shut them down quick. That's ridiculous. Of course not. Judas didn't write it. A, B, if he did write it, there'd be more reason not to keep it in. Um, so anyway, so there's non-canonical books, huge category that would fall under this. And then there's the deuterocanonical books. And th- this is really what the Catholic Church likes to call the Apocrypha. They call it the deuterocanonical writings, which means secondary to canon, secondary to the rule. And, and some of these writings would be the, one, the seven that we listed today, um, and, and potentially some others that like the, the Greek Orthodox, the Ruthen or, Russian Orthodox churches. And there, there's very few exceptions. And so we're talking about like the Book of Enoch might be included. Uh, I can't remember the other one, hold them as like, oh, these, these books might be sacred, but we do realize, the Catholic Church does realize that there is controversy over, uh, like for instance, Tobit and the rest of their apocryphal books. So they do realize that there are deuterocanonical, secondary to scripture, and we as Protestants are like, well, let's not bind them in the same book. Let's, let's bind them somewhere else. You know, put them, put them in another book because this is canon. This is the rule. This is the standard. And we don't want to confuse people. Let's just take out if there's any doubt. So, um, so here's, here's the words. I think I have the words uh, non-canonical, not thought to be scripture, deuterocanonical, secondary, and then proto-canonical is scripture, exclamation point. And then it's primary. This is what is we would call canon. So um, let's talk about inspiration uh, and kind of wrap up with, with the four minutes that we have left um, and, and talk about inspiration. And it's this very big idea, this word, and we would say the Bible is inspired. Amen. Amen. And, and, and many of you would also, maybe, maybe you wouldn't go so far. Maybe inspired isn't the right word, but I really struggled as I was preparing this message on what word would it be. And I finally settled on inspired. Um, but some of you, in a loose sense, and, and the emphasis on the loose sense, because we, we'd say the Bible is inspired. Oh, we all agree. We know what that means. But in a loose sense, we could say, oh, you know, a sermon that I heard last week, or at Desperation, that was inspired. It was anointed. It was awesome. It was beautiful. God spoke to me through that message. You know, maybe some of you are going to the 11 o'clock service in just a minute to hear Brady, and it'll be a great message. Was, oh, Brady is going to inspire us. It's, his message is going to be inspiring. It's going to be inspired by God. We're going to, you know, be encouraged. Some of you would say, oh, C.S. Lewis. How many any C.S. Lewis fans? Lots of fans. You would, in a loose sense, say, oh, like his mere Christianity changed my life. It's an awesome book. You could, in a loose sense, say, oh, that, that book is inspired. It's, it's a great book. It was a great read. I read it when I became a Christian. It's inspired. God spoke to me through C.S. Lewis's works. And I think we'd all be okay with that, the, the, the loose sense of inspired and, and using it for Scripture and for the, the strong sense for Scripture than the loose sense for other things that are not Scripture. Um, but and, and so, all that to consider, well, maybe the Apocrypha, these books, like, I think about, like, the Book of Wisdom. Book of Wisdom starts off like this. Book of Wisdom one one. love righteousness. That sounds good. Uh, you rulers of the earth, think of the Lord with uprightness and seek him with sincerity of heart. Sounds good, don't you think? Uh, we, I could, you could... You know, it's like, oh, did you read from the, the Proverbs? No, that's actually from Wisdom 1.1. So in a loose sense, maybe the Apocryphal 
books are innocent. In the same way C.S. Lewis is loosely inspired by God, we would use that word, oh, maybe the Apocrypha. We could read it for, uh, in the loose sense, to be inspired. It's like, that's cool, that's great. And, and many of you maybe have read the Apocrypha or passages thereof. But what we do know is this, and this is my main point for kind of maybe confusing you a little bit and maybe having to unconfuse you as the weeks progress uh, and we talk more about this big topic. But what we do know is that the, the Bible is inspired. The 66 books that we do have are, are better safe than sorry. We've taken out the Apocrypha because there's, there's questions about where it came from and its authority. So if there's questions about it, let's take it out and let, let's just keep the books we know as a church throughout church history. We know that we know that we know each and every one of us know that the church that has gone before us knows and has been inspired and know that these books are sacred. So, so the point of this month is to really spend time thinking about that, the inspiration, the authority of Scripture that we do have. And I'll begin, I'll end where we began with that, with that statement about Timothy, that Paul says to Timothy, you've known the Scriptures, you've, you've known them since you were an infant, a kid. Like maybe by the time he's barely talking, he knew some Scriptures. And what a beautiful thought that, that we could have God's words inside of us, that we do call the Bible the word of God or inspired or sacred or inerrant, infallible. We do use these words to describe what it is. So, so read it. I mean, there's, there's, I, I could, you know, we could say, oh, read the, read the Apocrypha. It's cool. But read scripture because it's holy and it's sacred. And I thought all this week as I was watching the news, and the news was changing so quickly with the fires and the reports of the fires. And, and it was just a really weird thing to see it change so quick. And then I thought about that, like how quickly the news changes and how, how timeless this book is, the Bible, and how it has stood the test of time for thousands and thousands of years, Old Testament, 2,000-ish years for the New Testament, and how the church throughout history has, has worshipped God through learning about who he is through this book. So, so read it. Uh, it's, 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 it is our, it is our inspiration about who God is. So, um, where's the, uh, there it is. I was going to read this scripture to conclude us. Um, if you want, you could just close your eyes and just prayerfully consider these words. These are Paul's words to Timothy says, but as for you, continue on what you have learned and have become convinced of because you, uh, know from whom you have heard it. And from infancy, you have known the Holy scriptures which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, God, we pray to you right now. We thank you, God, that there are 66 books of the canon of scripture that, that you have um, passed on to us through the, our ancestors, our Christian family that has come before us and God, we thank you for them. We thank you that they trusted in them. We thank you that we can trust in them and we do trust in them. And God, would you encourage us to read it? Would you encourage us to, to pick it up and, and, and be inspired by who you are and the truths uh, of, of, that are in Scripture? God, we love you and we praise you for these books. And it's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. Peace out. Uh, see you next week. That's all I got. <clears throat>